We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of the Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd get his... <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave! <laughs> Dave, Dave smells like nougat! Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. All right, welcome to Saints Happy Hour Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by you, the fan. You got season two of Drunk Saints History. You'll have a new episode uh, first week of April, probably Friday. I'll give it to you Friday before April starts. It'll be the, the career of Pat Swilling. And then we'll have more guests. I got two guests lined up. It's phenomenal. Uh, so thanks for that. But donate if you can because we got to keep the lights on. My computer may or may not be dying soon. So do what you can. Click the donate button. Uh Andrew and Dave, our Sudat dreams are officially dead. And Dominic Sue signed with the Rams, one year, $14 million. Uh, can't say it was a surprise. I was surprised he didn't visit with – he canceled the visit with Saskatchewan of the <laughs> CFL. I felt like he should have given them a fair shake. He went everywhere else, uh, but he didn't, and he signed with the Rams. Uh, Andrew, I can't say we were surprised, but – the, the one year, like, I looked at the offer when you told me, when you called me, you said it was one year, 14 million. And I was like, oh, they weren't, the Saints weren't doing that. Like, they couldn't, they couldn't have matched the one year, 14 million dollar offer without, like, fucking up the cap for next year, right? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, obviously, if, if they were offering a one year deal, deal for 14 million, I mean, the Saints can't compete with that. So, you know, my guess is that if the Saints were offering anything, there's a couple things they could have done. Uh, they could have offered him a two-year deal with like, you know, a couple phantom years. But I, I just don't really think Loomis wants to do that. I think he would do that to sneak under the cap when he's hard up against it. But uh, I don't think Loomis wants to do a bunch of deals like that in years where he doesn't have to. Um, so to me, like, I just look at that contract and I'm like, yeah. I mean, I don't really see Loomis giving you know Sue two years or three years for for the same average per year so that that number was going to be tough to compete with i mean i think we all knew where this was going uh, i mean it was all signs pointed to the rams and it just it just didn't feel like he was going to come to the saints um so we could sense it was going this way but at the same time i think 
there is, I mean, at least for me, a little sense of disappointment just in that. And you look at the NFC and, and uh, you know, the Eagles haven't done a ton, but they get Carson Wentz back. Um, and Michael Bennett. Yeah, they, they did get Michael Bennett, so that's something. Um, you know, although I don't think adding Michael Bennett is necessarily any better than what the Saints have done this offseason. But then you look at the other two teams. Uh, I mean, Kirk Cousins at quarterback and Sheldon Richardson for the Vikings. And then you look at what the Rams have been able to do with their corners and Marcus Peters and Dominican Sue. And so, um, you know, I feel like those teams are already maybe a cut above the Saints in the playoffs last year. Um, and now going into the season, I feel like they've done more to improve than the Saints to maybe separate themselves. So you still got to play the games, and you know, every season's different, and you see how it goes. And there's there's still the draft, obviously, uh, although the Saints have less a lot less ammunition than they did a year ago. So uh, I'd say this free agency period, you know, like Sue and Jimmy Graham were kind of the two big names they were poking around with, and uh, it's it's been a little disappointing. You know, if here's I'm being the, honest. Here's the thing: like last year, they all the things that they wanted to do that they couldn't get done, and it just like worked out in their favor. You know, like they they didn't get Malcolm Butler, but they ended up with Lattimore. They couldn't get mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't get Zietler done, but they got Warford. Like a bunch of things, like like they couldn't and get Warford goes in the Pro Bowl, right? Yeah, they couldn't get Reuben Foster, but they got Ramchek. Like it all worked out in their favor. I feel like Dave, like these almost misses this year are going to come back to bite them, like. Not because it just like that's how it goes. It goes in cycles, right? But you apparently they missed out on Sue. You're not too broken up about it. No, I mean, you know, it's it's been a boring free agency period. If you're a Saints fan, you know they're not making any big splashes. Yay, fiscal um, responsibility. But yeah, but exactly. It's and so I mean, fucking so, boring, and, though. And, and, and well, you know, hey, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry, uh, but. Um, you know, the Patriots don't usually make huge splashes in free agency and they seem to do all right. And I would be I would be a hypocrite if 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 I said I wanted to see them make these big splashes, because, I, you know, me, I'm always about trading down and getting more draft picks. And I'm always about, you know, uh, you know, picking up role player, you know, good fits and all that kind of stuff. And look, I am. It's been boring. It's been a boring free agency. It's been bland. But. I applaud the Saints because it seems like, you know, with the Jimmy Graham thing, with the So thing, uh, with the Wilkerson so, thing. Did you just say, did you just Ralph? Sue. Sue. <laughs> That's a Ralph. Um, it just, it feels like, it feels like to me that they have, they have limits in their heads. Uh, you know, they're only willing to do so much for, you know, they were only willing to pay Jimmy Graham so much. They were only willing to pay Sue uh, so much. They were only willing to pay Wilkerson so much or whatever, um, and 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 they're not they're 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 sticking to their guns. You know, they're making resolutions and they're sticking to them. And I think that's good because I think in the past they've kind of been like, oh yeah, we're not going to pay more than you know thirty million for Jarris Bird. Oh, it's going to cost sixty million. Oh well, fuck it, let's do it, do it anyway. That's <laughs> um, true. I I I've, I've, I'll. I'll I will admit I was wrong. I figured I figured the Saints they couldn't like I figured the only thing that was stopping them was people telling them no. Like that if Zietler would have told them yes, they'd have done it. If Bill Belichick would have caved, they'd have paid Malcolm Butler the fifty million. Like the only thing stopping them was people telling them no. Andrew, they really did show restraint this offseason and I think I'm wrong. Like the like the the YOLO days might be over with. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, they didn't really go YOLO. I mean, my, 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 my only problem is... I feel, is I feel like they have their line in the sand, you know, like, well, we will right. pay up to this much for you. And I mean, with Grammy, it's not like they were totally fiscally responsible. I mean, they were still going for Sue and going for Graham, but I think they just kind of decided, look, like, this is what we're willing to pay. And, you know, we won't go above it. And if that's not cool with you, then... It doesn't make sense for you to come to the same. Well, the Graham, well, and, and Graham I mean, contract was fucking ridiculous. Sue yeah, is not yeah. that ridiculous for the Rams, but the Graham contract for Green Bay was fucking ridiculous. But I, I think I think now that they've got a, a short history of drafting well, you know that takes the pressure off during free agency because you can say, oh well, I'm not going to pay this much, and I have confidence and I can tr- I trust my front office in addressing these needs. Uh, in the draft instead, and and my only my only issue with with free agency so far is that I feel like we haven't really addressed two of the biggest needs. We haven't gotten either a, a big number two wide receiver or tight end or some kind of safety red zone threat, safety valve red zone threat for for Drew Brees. And I really don't feel like we've done much in the pass rush department. You know, well, adding Pat, the the linebacker from the Jets. I mean, that's that's one thing. Pat, but. you're never going to get pass. I mean, re, in truth, you're not going to get pass rush and free agency because teams just don't let guys walk. The best you're going to do, like, is like an Okafor before he like blew out his Achilles. Like, you're just like you're not going to you're not going to like top shelf pass rushers. Teams just don't let them leave. Um, but before we get to the free agent visit that the Saints had over the weekend, Andrew. If you're Drew Brees and you're looking at the Saints in free agency and you kind of gave them a little bit of a discount, like what are you thinking as you're watching them do free agency? What am I thinking just about the if you're overall? Drew, if you're Drew Brees and you're oh. watching them and you're like, yeah, they didn't get Graham, they didn't get Sue, they haven't got me a receiver. I mean, I think Breeze is the eternal optimist, you know. I, I just think Breeze is like, no, we're knocking on the door, we're so close. And I don't know, man. I, I mean, they, the Saints still have Breeze and Sean Payton, you know. I mean, it's great that, like, the Rams And are, Mike Thomas. Yeah, but I mean, it's great that the, the Rams are so good now. But, like, you know, the Saints are going to play him this year, and Sean Payton's going to come up with a great game plan, I'm sure, to find a way to put up points on them. And, you know, Goff throws a pick here or there. I mean, I, I look at the Rams' offense, and to me, Ugh. the Rams' offense is not marketably better. In fact, did they, they lost Sammy Watkins, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, so they're, I would say they've taken a step back offensively. And so, but goddamn that defense. Yeah, but, I mean, look, the Saints' defense gets a little stronger, and it's harder for the Rams to score. And, you know, um, I mean, I still think they can compete. So, you know, as as long as Breeze is playing at, at his normal level and Sean Payton's in the building, I just, you know, I still think the Saints can compete with any team. So, you know, I think it's, uh, I do think they're going to have to do well with this draft. I, I will say, I, I do think the Saints kind of got their ass kicked by the Vikings and the, the Rams in free agency. So um, they're going to have to make up for that in the draft. And I do think... You know, whether it's getting a, a, a tight end in the first round that makes a major difference offensively or, you know, getting a pass rusher that, you know, can get them six sacks this year, uh, they're going to have to do something in the draft to move the needle. You know, I think somebody, Todd Newberg, a big fan of the podcast and uh, a Twitter follower of mine, he, he, I think he summed up 
free agency perfectly. He's like, it was Christmas, and all we ended up getting was re-gifted Patrick Robinson. We thought we were going to get Sega Play, you know, we thought we were going to get a, a PlayStation, a new moped, all this fun stuff. We got re-gifted P-Rock. Right, but in, 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 instead instead you got socks and underwear, <laughs> which, hey, look, is not exciting, but you know what? You need They're it. They're useful, and you're going to use them. That's right. <laughs> and it's boring, but you're going to need those things, and you're going to use them. Well, here's one thing, Andrew. The Saints did have a guy um, visit over the weekend, Cameron Meredith. He's the Bears wide receiver. He was out all last year. But in 2016, he caught 66 balls when the Bears quarterbacks were garbage. Um, he's coming off an injury, so the Bears have the right to match any offer that he gets. But the the Bears, the thing with the Bears is they paid Allen uh, Robinson 14 million a year, and they paid Tyler Gabertson 7 million a year. So if the Saints would make him a substantial offer, I think the Bears might pass. But how much money do you pay a dude? Who didn't play last year? Yeah, I mean, he's appealing to me. I mean, I just look at his. I looked at his highlight reel today, Ralph. I told you, and um, you know, size-wise, he's exactly the same as Michael Thomas. And you know, he was able to put up about 900 yards receiving and kind of be a stud in 2016 um, with garbage at quarterback. I mean, he had. He had like Barkley and Cutler and guys like that throwing the ball to him. So, I mean, he, he had garbage quarterbacks. And he was able to put up some nice stats, and he was a really good young player. And, and you just look at the way he plays. I think the thing that really stands out is he's faster than Michael Thomas, first of all. So he can stretch the field a little bit better. And he has a similar ability to Thomas after the catch. And he has a similar size. So, like, he runs good routes. He has good hands. So, like, on third down – that's really going to help. But, you know, when they run those tunnel screens or if they can get him to beat a guy in the slot, like he, he's a guy like Thomas who breaks one tackle and he's going 8 to 15 yards. And so, you know, Breeze is such a high percentage passer and quarterback that, you know, you break one or two tackles and those little six-yard passes become 15, 20-yard gains. And so he's the type of player that I think fits this offense really well and it would be nice – it's kind of like I never got out of Brandon Coleman. You know, as nice as Coleman's size was, I just never really felt like he played and attacked the football that physically um, when he was a receiver. When he was a blocker, he was physical because he was braced for impact. But I just felt like maybe it was something mental, like he never caught the ball that consistently and he just didn't have, like, the physical, the physical mindset to go with his frame. Whereas this guy, you know, I, I think has that. And he's similar to Michael Thomas that way. And honestly, I think in this offense, you know, Cameron Meredith in, was the guy that – He led them in receiving in 2016. I didn't realize that. Yards yeah, yeah, and I mean, catches. He's a guy that, that could be could become a star like Michael Thomas in the right offense. I, I mean, I think the one thing I would say – I'm kind of marginalizing Michael Thomas here. I mean, I, I think Thomas, you know, the one thing that stands out with him, obviously, that I think is off the charts freakish is just – his ability to attack the ball. He just freakish hands and, um, you know, just his, his ability to withstand contact and just have such strong hands. I mean, I, I would, that's elite in the NFL. Like I, I would put him up against almost anyone Dave. as far as that's concerned. But anyway, I, I, I mean, it, it all depends on how he's doing with this injury and that's kind of impossible to know, but he's 25 and before the injury, there's no doubt that he was a stud. Dave, do you think the saints, 
get the YOLO fever and sort of panic buy on Cameron Meredith. Like, they were like, oh, shit, we have got to get a fucking receiver. And they sort of, like, make, like, an offer where everybody's like, wow, they just gave Cameron Meredith three years, $18 million with $9 million guaranteed. Uh, I mean, I hope not because, I mean, I feel like we're not really in the panicking part of free agency anymore. I feel like that's past. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think at this point in free agency, you've got a little time to, uh, to feel it out or whatever. Um, uh, so no, I, I, again, we just talked the saints, obviously they have going into before free, well, a month before free agency even started. Uh, possibly even more than that. I am sure that conversations were already had and, and, and agreements were made on what they were willing to pay for what positions or what players. And I think we've seen that they're not going to go over that. So if they paid Cameron Meredith three years, $18 million, then it's because they really feel uh, that that's what he's worth and that's what they would need to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, look, Andrew puts a positive spin on it. He sounds like a a pretty good get, but uh, he can't be here's, that great if he's still available so, in free agency. Well, he, he's, he's a restricted free agent, and he was tendered oh, okay. by the Bears. So the thing right. is, like... At what, what the, level was he tendered at? Uh, he was not, he was, no, he was undrafted, so he, he oh. was tendered at the lowest level, which means if he leaves, they, they can match, but if he leaves, they don't get anything. And they have a shit ton okay. of cap space still. They do so, but the Bears signed Burton at tight end, and then they signed two receivers, right? Yeah, Allen Robinson and uh, who else? Gabriel from the Falcons. Yeah. So you know, I mean, the thing about Meredith is, I, I don't think the Saints can get him unless they sign that huge contract you're talking about, like three. I think the only shot at getting a guy like that is signing him the three years. Because you can't, million. you can't poison pill the contract anymore. So basically you just have to do a shit ton of guarantees or like an upfront bonus that teams don't right. like. And then just hope, hope the bears are like, yeah, we can afford it, but yeah, we're going to pass. You know, that's, that's kind of how you play that if you decide you want them. Um, and so, you know, I mean, that's why the visit is so critical. I mean, obviously he had a busted knee. He didn't play last year. So, I mean, I think you run them through a ton of tests and, you know, trust your team doctors and make sure that the knee checks out. And if it does, uh, then you try to make a, uh, you, you try to make them a huge offer that uh, you hope makes the Bears think twice about matching. How high would you go, Andrew, to get him? It, I mean, assuming his knee checks out? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I just think this offense desperately needs something that's going to help them on third down. I mean, even if they get him and he plays well, they still need to probably go tight end in the first round. So, um, I mean, I would, if he, if he, if he's fine, I would, I would consider going four years, 24 million. Ooh. Like 10 plus. I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, six, I mean, six million a year. Yeah, I mean, he, he's 25, so a four-year deal, you know, keeps him until he's 29, and I, I'd put some heavy guarantees where, like, you can't eject until year three or four. Yeah. I mean, because that's what they're going to have to do, because the, 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 the Packers tried to get Fuller, who's, like, was a corner that was always hurt, and he had, like, one good year with the Bears. They gave him, like, four years, $56 million. The Packers, I mean, the Bears matched it, like, the same day. Yeah. Um. 
So, I mean, that's the thing. But, like, you know, with the Bears, like, are they really going to commit, like, 20-plus million to wide receiver? You know? And that's what you got to – that's what you got to – the one thing I will say, I hope I don't know. Crab, Crabtree got three years, twenty-one million. Yeah, I mean that's so. But that's so. What does that work out to a year? Seven that's, million. Okay, so I, I I don't know. I mean, the one thing I I hope is if they're going to do it, make a legitimate effort. Don't just negotiate a contract. That the Bears are like, yeah, whatever. Like when the when the Bears tried to get Josh Hill, they signed him to like three years, like five point one million, and the Saints were like, yeah, whatever, we're matching that. You like make a fucking effort to get him. Like if you're gonna do it, do it big and try to get him. Don't just do a contract that's like the that's easy for the Bears to match. And fuck over Ryan Pace because he's a dick. I don't like him. He he stole Stinton last year or two years ago when the Saints needed a guard. He didn't he steal a kicker or something from the Saints. He did he did a bunch of things I don't like. Am I am I misremembering that? Who? Uh, the the Bears when the Saints needed a guard in 2016 they signed yeah Josh yeah Josh Stinton and then they do something with a kicker that the Saints I forgot mm. I forgot. But anyway, ring a bell. but anyway, I don't like Ron. Oh, no, they they took uh, Connor Barth right after we cut him, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, that's it. So, I guess <sighs> Odell Beckham is reportedly on the trading block. The Rams are sniffing around him. Um, of course, the Rams are <laughs> because the Rams need to win to fill their stadium. Like the Rams, five years of ten and six. Any other NFL city would be like, yeah, we'll go, we'll be good for five years, and we'll maybe win a Super Bowl, maybe go deep. Like the Rams need to win fucking now to fill that stadium to get excitement, so that when they get to the new stadium, people give a shit. So they have to win fucking now. They don't want to like stretch their window out long term. They want to win now, but um. Not do you think the Saints will go yellow? Because I don't think they're going Odell Beckham because they can't pay Beckham and Michael Thomas. But Andrew, if you were running the Saints and you knew that Drew Brees was 39 and the Giants called you and you could work out an offer where you could get Beckham and keep your first round pick or finagle some sort of trade that was acceptable, would you go YOLO and get bring Odell Beckham home? Because he's from NOLA. I stay away from Odell Beckham, you know, and, and this is, I mean, listen, this is the Homer and me talking. Um, you know, I, I was all in on Jarvis Landry. So, you know, I, but to me, it's all about fit. And, you know, again, these guys that you have to trade for, it, it's kind of like uh, Butler, right? It's like these guys you have to trade for that are in the final year of their deal. And then you have to give them the huge contract and you have to give them a draft pick. And he's coming off a major knee injury, and there's some off the field issues and locker room problems. I, and and, I, and he wants to get paid like 18 million a year. And you have Michael Thomas on the roster, who you're going to have to pay eventually. And you know how's he going to feel about that? So, to me, there's just too much going on. I mean, he's a great player. He's obviously incredibly talented. I think on the field, he would help the Saints if he if he's okay physically. Um, but um, I don't know, man. I, I just – it doesn't feel like – you know, there's just too many variables for me to feel comfortable about it, I guess. Dave, if he played for Tulane, would you be all in for Odell Beckham? <laughs> I'm all in for anybody that played at Tulane. Let's get <laughs> Ryan Grant. That, that, that makes way more sense. 
Did, some, did Ryan Grant already sign? He with signed him? with the Colts for like $10 yeah, million dollars less. Poor guy. I know. Sprained ankle cost um, like $10 million. Uh, but, uh, but no. But to be honest with you, even though he did go to LSU, um, I would be all in on him just because he's like an uptown kid. I mean, he went to Newman. <laughs> he went to he went to grade school, St. Andrews Episcopal, like on Carrollton Avenue, uh, which I pass every day. Um, so I, I'd be down with that. Yeah, I mean, but Andrew's right though. I mean, I don't, he's not he's not a good fit. I, I don't think it. Yeah, I mean. It's, you can't you can't pay receiver thirty plus million, you know. Um, but do do either of you think he'll get moved? I do. You well, mm, yeah. I mean, it's considering what this, this whole thing came the day after their, the Giants owner said that nobody is basically said everybody is expendable, nobody is safe. Uh, right? Didn't he? What, what were his exact words? We're not. I don't know what is it. His words were, "We're not looking to move him, but he's got to start acting a certain way." No, but then, well, yeah. So, Andrew, do you think he'll get moved? I don't know, man. Fifty-fifty. Um, I just don't think the Giants will end up getting enough to justify it. Yeah, he's not. They're not going to get. I mean, I saw trade projections today. What they could get, I don't think they'll get what the Saints got for Brandon Cooks. And it's not because Brandon Cooks is better. It's because New England, when they traded for Brandon Cooks and gave the Saints a first and a third and got back a fourth, they got two years of Brandon Cooks on the cheap. If you trade here's for thing, if you trade thing, for like, Beckham, you only get one year, and you got to pay well, him now. The, well, he's refu- He's refusing to play, though, right? He Isn't says he, he will, but we'll see if that you know, but. I he just could, can't believe that he he feels he can get away with that. Well, he can, after he, can, he, can, he cannot play. He could, if they don't pay him, he could come in after six weeks and still get a year of free, and then he'd be a free agent. So he could play for ten. If, as long as you play for ten weeks, you could. Um, he could. He would qualify to be a free unrestricted free agent in twenty nineteen. So he could do that. I mean, but then again, they could tag him. I guess. You know. Yeah. Um. But I don't think he's going to get moved because I don't think I don't think a team's going to give what the Giants think. I mean, unless the Rams went fucking crazy and they have a, they gate they don't have Watkins, so they could theoretically they could trade for him and pay him a shit ton of money. So I mean that. But even the Rams, I don't think the Rams would give up more than a one. You know, so it would be almost equal what they got for the Saints got for Cooks. Maybe you know, maybe even a little less. Um, so before we get to, um, Twitter questions, which we have quite a few, uh, they had an interesting story. The Saints made the New York Times this week, Dave, with a cheerleader, uh, suing them. Uh, and it's getting kind of messy. So, um, (laughs) do you want to recap for the people in quick form, like what's going on with this lawsuit? Well, I mean, basically you have a former cheerleader who... She initially got in trouble with the Saints organization because she posted a picture of herself in a Saints, uh, a one-piece bathing suit, not even a bikini, but a one-piece bathing suit on Instagram. Uh, And then she also, there was something else that she did too, but, um, oh, she was at a party where there was a player was in attendance or multiple players were in attendance. And so they basically fired her and let her go because of that. 
and she's basically suing because she thinks that the rules that these saints have these are these are written rules that that I'm assuming you get and you sign off to yes uh, before you take the job of being a cheerleader. Um, but yeah, they, I don't they think your case sounds very strong. Yeah, they, but I mean, but still, yeah, right. But they still. I mean, no, they, no, they, no surprise. The Times would run it, and you know, in the in the court of public opinion, maybe the Saints pay her off to make it go away. But yeah, you, I, you can make a good argument that she doesn't have a case, but you could also argue that the rules are are pretty antiquated, and in this day and age, you know, a lot, a lot of there's a lot of social injustice, and a lot everybody is sure. fi- finding a cause. Um, and this, I could easily kind of draconian. It is. It's 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 very. It, it reads like a 1950s, uh, like good housekeeping article. You know, if you can't follow a Saints player, any any of the players on social media, you they can't follow. If they follow you, you have to block them. Uh, you can't pursue a Saints player. You can't talk to them during the game, obviously. But if if you are at a restaurant and a Saints player walks in, apparently you yes. just need to get up from your meal. And leave. To, can you? Can you? you, can, you I wonder if you could be like, waiter, waiter. I need a. I need a couple doggy bags. I know you just brought it. <laughs> I need a couple doggy bags, and you need to pack up this delicious I mean, Olive Garden just, meal. Just like so an absurd, I, absurd rule to me. It's absolutely absurd. And then I, I, th- I think the crux of her argument, though, is that the players are not held uh, to the same standard. Do, are not held to any of these rules. Um, so, but. I, they, I don't understand. So, so let's say, so let's say, so let's say you're a, a, a cheerleader and you're sitting in a restaurant, and I'm a player, and I walk in. Um, I guess by the rule, the cheerleader has to say, "Oh, I'm going to have to tell tell them, oh, I'm leaving now," and then it would be upon the player to say, "No, no, you can stay," uh, and you know because I'm, I'll allow it. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. It's 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 crazy. It, it's straight out of 1950s. Uh, good housekeeping or whatever so that's news and you know the interesting thing with that and not just with the saints but i'm very i was very surprised that like all this uh me too and sexual like it went to they found out that the mavericks were terrible i'm surprised that a lot of sports teams haven't had these issues i know jerry richardson had the issues and he's gonna have to sell the team um, but I would be, I'll be very, I mean, Jerry Jones had those picks with him yeah. shoving his crotch. And I mean, I'll be very face. surprised if in like the next year, like na- national papers, like the New York times and the Washington post don't go sniffing around NFL teams looking for it. Um, so I, I would think, I would think the saints will want this to go away. Like they're not gonna, they're like, you don't want this in the headlines. You don't want this going to court. I, you know, sometimes you just got to suck it up and make things go away but we'll see um, but that was an interesting news story well now that the saints have a female owner maybe she's gonna say you know what we do need to do something about this maybe man yeah maybe, we're, maybe we're, we're treating these ladies un- unfairly yeah, maybe they'll change a uh, gale will change rules and you know she was at the owner's meeting today and she you know what i listened to her and uh, i gotta say uh, she, she she did great i i have to say you never know but i've said all along yeah. i think that gail benson the thing is, I don't. Th- I think she means it when she says she's not going to sell. Because here's the thing, she's very connected to New Orleans upper, whatever you want to call it, like the the social scene, the upper crust, the the well-to-do. She, Angela Hill is like her best friend, right? So she cares deeply about 
Tom Benson's legacy and her legacy, she ain't selling those teams. Where's she going to go? She's going to sell it to freaking, you know, she's going to sell the Pelicans to Seattle and move to Seattle? No, she's not. Now, she doesn't have any kids, so you don't know how it's going to go, and she's 70, so you want her to live a long time. But I, I watched it too, Andrew. I found her very well, and I found it believable. Maybe in, in five years, we'll all, it'll all be a sucker, and we'll be like, I can't believe we bought it. But I, I believed her today when she says she's not selling, and she's here for forever, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I, yeah, she she said everything that, you know, I um, I was I hoped that she would say, um, you know, she um, I, I think she was a good representation of the organization, and I just think uh, she's handled everything this whole week really well, um, and um, you know, I mean, I I think if there was one thing that you were to ask me, you know, how do I want this to go, I, I would say that. I don't necessarily trust that she has the experience to manage this the way it needs to be so that I would want her to put her trust in, in the hands of Mickey Loomis and Dennis Lausha and Bensel and, you know, let her, let them run the organization and kind of not meddle unless, you know, she feels like she has to. And, you know, she said exactly that, you know, she basically said, Hey, I've been trained for this. I know what to do. And I'm going to trust the pros that have been doing this. And, you know, things are set up for me to be successful because I have a great team in place and I'm going to let them yeah. do their job. And that's exactly what I wanted to hear out of her. And um, I trust that she'll do it. Yeah, Dave, I guess the, o- the only thing that you worry about and you can't and, and you wouldn't worry about it now because, look, the Saints are in a great spot. The Pelicans, the West is, you know, crazy, but they're in a good spot to make the playoffs. And Anthony Davis is locked in for a couple more years. The only thing you worry about and you can't predict it is. If the shit goes bad and she's got to call people in and fire them or kick them upstairs or whatever, will she be smart enough and and do the work to set the set the Saints or the Pelicans on the right path again? But you can't know that until you you go through it, right? I mean, I, I first of all, I think we're being naive if we don't know or believe that for the last three four years. Um, with Tom Benson, oh, I, I think sure. I, I think mentally being out of it, um, I think she's kind of been doing this stuff for a while already, um, and she ob- obviously she knew this this day was going to come. Uh, she seems like a very intelligent woman, uh, so I, I think that I think this is a very easy and very natural transition here for her. I, I think she's been ready for this for. And, and and already sort of been doing this for a and number I of was, years now I already. Was to- I was told and I've read stuff that the last major decision Tom Benson made regarding any of this was the was the Pelicans. And it was a lot of her and a lot of David Stern convincing him to buy the Pelicans. And they were like, if you don't do it, they're going to leave. And that was like his last major big decision that was made. Everything else has sort of been like what Andrew had said, like the circle of trust. It was Gail and Mickey Loomis and Lausha and Benson. Like, you know, and it's been like that for when, when did they, when did Benson buy the Pelicans, Andrew? Like 2012, 11. Yeah. Something like that. So it's mm, been, I mean, it's been longer than that, maybe. So it meant it be, Oh, no, no, no. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably at least five or six years, you know? I mean, because yeah. I mean, look at it. Like Benson, like when was the, when was the last time Benson did like a sit? Because he used to, 
every year do like a sit down interview with the paper or TV states decided this, you know, even if the Saints were doing well or whatever. When was the last time Benson sat down in front of the media and took hard questions? Uh, I mean, no, I, I think he sat down like a year ago in the summer with Larry Holder. Did he? And had like a length, lengthy interview. Yeah. Did I mean, he? you know, I, I mean, he was still going to the office every day. And, you know, I, I think as he got older, you know, it probably got more difficult for him to kind of sit in meetings for long periods of time and, and you know, kind of make the hard decisions. But, you know, I, I, he was certainly still the figurehead. He was still going there and still sitting in on the meetings. And, and uh, you know, I, I think um, there's a lot of respect there for, you know, the people that he's hired. I mean, I do think he has loyal people in place. Would you? Uh, I, I, I've always felt that Loomis truly had Tom Benson's best interest in mind and that he has been loyal to him at every turn. And so, you know, uh, for better, or for worse. I mean, we've always said this about Loomis, that he's untouchable. He is. Yeah. He is fucking I, untouchable. I, untouchable. I, I missed last week's podcast and I, I wanted to talk about that because I had talked, I had texted you guys about it. You know, the fact that these guys, these three guys are named in Benson's will and, and put in fairly, given fairly important roles and and responsibilities as executors executors, yeah uh obviously it says a lot i don't have a problem with with lausha or bensel i mean they're behind the scenes guys um they don't necessarily affect the on-field product now mickey loomis being general manager he has a a bigly uh effect on the on on the on Uh, on the on-field product and obviously now him being listed in this damn will obviously it shows you the relationship that he has with the benson family so it's obvious that he's not going anywhere so my concern that i brought to you guys last week when this happened was is like that that means that you know mickey loomis could is untouchable so what happens if he puts together three terrible years of running this this team uh, we're seeing, the that, Saints that, that could go winless for five straight years. Loomis would still have a job. Exactly, because of his relationship with the ownership. And, I mean, fortunately, Ralph kind of talked me down from the ledge, and he said, you know what they would probably do is they would probably, quote-unquote, demote him upstairs. Upward. Yeah, that's what the Bears right. did. The, Bear, the Bears, when, when, when um, George Hallis died, his daughter got the team, and the daughter's husband, Ed McCaskey, uh, was, like, in charge of it. And they were so yeah. fucking bad that they were like, "Look, dude, we're gonna make you like chairman of the board, but you're not you're not running the day to day anymore." And they can't fire him because he's family, right? So I don't think they would do that. Exactly. Like, like I think they would be like, "Mickey, you need to go upstairs, and you can be in charge. You can oversee both, and you can help us hire a general manager or whatever." But like, it's been five, four shitty years, and you can be the Duke, the kick-ass Duke. Yeah, I mean, so so it isn't it isn't bad, but the thing is, Mickey Loomis will always kind of be around and always kind of have a say in it as long as he wants, and we just have to like come to terms with that, you know, sort of like I mean, sort of like other teams with like not that Mickey Loomis, not that he owns the team like Jerry Jones, but he's gonna kind of be just around, and you just have to make your peace with it. But my final question on this before we get to to people's Twitter questions is 
Is there is there anybody else that you would rather own the team than Gail Benson? And I honestly, at this moment, I can't think of a scenario that's better than her owning both of the, the Pelicans and the Saints at the moment right now. I mean, there's nobody that I can think of that would like make sense. Like, are you talking even like about in a in a fantasy world where anybody could own the team? Yeah, like or, like come up come up with a come up with a, a person that could own the Saints that you would feel better about them not selling them or moving the team. Deuce uh, McAllister. <laughs> that could have <laughs> that could afford to buy them. Yeah, no, I got nothing. Maybe the Mannings, but I don't think they have two. I mean, yeah, maybe the Mannings. The, 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 but, the, but Rita Benson, I mean, Rita LeBlanc, I mean, that would be worse, you know? Oh, my God. That would be so much worse. I'm glad Gail's in place. I'm glad, I'm, gla- I'm glad Gail is owning the team. And, and if it's if – it, Rita if it, would have – Mickey Loomis would already be fired. <laughs> he would be. Sad day. She might fire them all. After going eleven five, just clean it out. Breeze yeah. would be Breeze would be in minutes. Loomis would have been fired five minutes before the plug was pulled, <laughs> and then Breeze would be in Minnesota, and <laughs> and and there would be uh, there would have been a second line, and then there'd be torches looking for her on the street. Yep, Dennis uh, Allen would be the head coach. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, but my I guess my question my question though is when we're talking about Loomis and Lausha. And Bensel, um, why why is there that relationship between these th- those three guys and and Benson and 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 Gail, Tom and Gail? I mean, I what mean, is it about those three? What did they? What have they done over these over these years that would elevate them to to, to that stature? I mean, because I, I mean, has there has there ever been? I mean, has there, I mean, has there ever been any franchise where an owner has died and put their and and done this before and no. and, and put them in the? I don't think so. It's a that's a great that's a great question, Dave. I can't think of it. The only thing I can say is Benson's. You know, Lausha ran the books, and the Saints made a crap ton of money for Benson, so that. that why Benson would be loyal to him? They build a Super Bowl. They built the Super Bowl team, yeah. and also too, Benson's his family life was complicated. Man, he he lost two wives, he lost two of his kids. He's estranged from the third one. I mean, his and the thing is, Benson's kids, even when they were alive, like they just weren't interested in it for whatever reason. You know, they were like. It seems crazy to us, like your dad owns the Saints, and you were like, "I don't, I don't want to do it." But that's how it was. So it was just this weird dynamic, and this is how it ended up. But Dave, that's a great point. I mean, I can't think of a of a of a team where like employees sort of like get elevated to like untouchable status after the owner dies. Like it would, you'd think it would be like the flip side of like where the Carolina where like their owner is going to sell. And I guarantee you within like two years, Rivera and the general manager are going to be gonzo because the new owner is going to come in. He's going to want to hire his own people and yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's really crazy. I, I would love a, like a, like a, a hardcore listener to like tweet us and like find a situation that is what's happened with the saints, another NFL team or even another sports team. Cause I, I'm having a hard time thinking of one. Andrew, can you think of any at all? No, 
No. It's, no. I mean, I'm trying to think. Nope. I just. Um, so. I mean, uh, like, why not? Like, why not? Like, he was very. Uh, Benson was very religious. I mean, why not? Like Archbishop Amon, Amond, or whatever. Uh, you know, somebody like that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean. Maybe because he's older. I don't know. I he mean, wants somebody younger. Mickey. We said it last week. Mickey Loomis going from the cap <laughs> from the cap guy that. Randy Mueller brought in the bean counter. The bean counter guy that Randy Mueller brought with him from Seattle to do contracts. From that in 2000 to untouchable status 18 years later is crazy. I know, and 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 Loomis, and that he's he's the weirdest one. Like Lausha, I kind of get that because being an executive of Will, you're talking about making financial decisions, and Lausha is a CPA. Uh, I mean, Lausha was his right hand man. I mean that I that I get. Uh, Bensel. Um, I, you know, I know he's VP of communications, but he may have, he may have other duties, uh, that he's, that he does that we don't know about that, that made him important to Benson, but Loomis, uh, that one, that I don't get. It's amazing. It, he, I would love to, for Loomis to like write a book at the end of all this. Cause it's a, it's a, it is a, to me, it's a crazy rise. Um, so we got Twitter yeah. questions. I asked people to ask Give me a and were they left? Were they were they left? Aside from being executive, were they left large sums of money to each of them? Uh, I would assume, right? Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Yes. maybe I would maybe. bet not. I would, I would bet, bet not. not. I would bet not. I would bet not. Or or, or or at least some provision like they 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 are now provided for. They have some trust uh, for each of them and their name or whatever or something like that or for their children. I don't. I don't think beneficiaries like to the estate. I don't. Th- I bet you. I bet not. They just become untouchable. That's that's their that's their gift, Dave. That's yeah. the gift. That's the gift they get. Amazing job security. <laughs> so we have Twitter questions, and I ask people to give right. me give me uh, Twitter questions and your Saints mood in five words. Um, Andrew Alvarez says no way to pay uh, OBJ. Hashtag sadness. Um, <laughs> if you could, Andrew, this is from Bjorn. If you could resurrect any Peyton Breeze era saint and put them on this roster for this year, who would it be? I saw that question. I already know my answer. Jimmy Graham. <laughs> Jimmy oh. Graham. You won 2011 Jimmy Graham. Yep. Yeah. I mean. I won 2013-14 Galette. <laughs> nice. Oh, I'm you to... couldn't just pick one of the great Will Smith years, Dave. Come on, yeah. No, I, would, no. I would take 2000. I, seriously, I would take 2009 Will Smith and put him on the other end of Cam Jordan and see how it went. I think no, uh, Vilma, man, Vilma. Ooh, Vilma, 2000, peak Vilma. 2000, but peak Vilma was actually 2008 Vilma. Yeah, but that's a good one too. But I. Ooh. And they don't need they don't need the safety that we can't mention by name because they have Marcus Lattimore. <laughs> um, Baltimore. Uh, Sean asks, uh, "Ireland Ireland has ended the YOLO." That's good. I, I, it's true, man. Ireland like steadily over his three years, Andrew has like cut the Saints like trading up and so they still do it, but like he's like just each year he's like turn the knob like down each time. Um, it's probably smart, but it's, it's not very fun. Uh, Dave, could you rank the NFC heavy hitters going into the season? Uh, yeah, I mean, not necessarily in this order, but I would say Rams, Vikings, Saints. 
and Philly's on top, and Green Bay's going to be better because they're oh, going to Philly. Yeah, sorry, I don't know. Yeah. I and 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 Green Bay will be better because they got they'll have Aaron Rodgers back. You know, actually, yeah. I don't even know about the Vikings. I think this whole quarterback thing is going to blow up in their face. I don't I know what the hell so. they were thinking. I hope so. Well, you you think? I mean, I think Kirk I, Cousins is a lot better than. I just don't know Keenan. that I don't. I just don't know that Kirk Cousins is going to push them better than thirteen and three. You know, like I don't know that they can be any better than they were. I don't last think year. it's so much that as it is like they're more capable of making it happen in the playoffs now. Maybe, well, and, but and and what's up with Teddy Bridgewater though? He's I mean, with the like Jets, he, man, he's with the Jets. I know, but like he was like I feel like they didn't even give him a chance to see how he was going to come back from injury. Dude, Bridgewater's. I mean, done. He's done. I I just. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but his injury. As far as injuries go, that's like one of the worst ever. Yeah. Non-contact, just like he almost lost his leg, you know. Uh, Alan asks, what are we doing? Uh, Ryan says, Sneed, should Sneed pack his bags, Andrew? Wait, hold on. Bridgewater's missed the last two years, right? He played like a couple of snaps. I know, but he, he's essentially like missed this injury has cost him two seasons. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's done. Um, is what's the question? Is Sneed done? Yes. Um, I have hope for Sneed. Um, the mm. last playoff game, you know, I know he missed the pass, but he caught a couple, caught a couple balls, and um, you know, obviously the big one on fourth down that kept the game alive. To me, it's not so much. I mean, obviously, part of it is just a confidence thing, seeing him make the play and, and knowing that he can still do it. But the big thing for me is that there were times during the season where he was wide open and Breeze like, had completely lost faith and confidence mm-hmm. in him and wouldn't even look his way. So yeah. to me, the biggest thing about it was that Breeze actually threw to him in a spot like that. When, he, you know, when the game was on the line and it was basically the biggest play of the year at the time, fourth down in a playoff game with the game hanging in the balance – Breeze went to Sneed. I thought they fucking – because of that, I thought they were winning. I was like, there's no doubt in yeah. my mind. I was like, they're go, they're, the Sneed has reappeared like the but savior. Here, but here's the thing about Sneed. You know, I, I do think he cost himself so much oh money. Oh, my God. Dude. So much money. And and I just think, you know, at when least you look back at the 12. season, the DUI, and then, you know, I mean, you can't do anything about the hamstring. But then he comes back out of shape and he – uh, he looks slower and he just wasn't the at same player. And like, this is like, this is it for him. And I don't know if he's going to be back with the saints. He's visiting other teams. He might get signed to an offer sheet. I, I don't think he's going to get much going, you know, and the saints, he'll probably be back with the saints, but I just think this year Snead needs to commit himself in the off season to getting in the best shape possible and um, he needs to redevelop that chemistry and trust with Breeze because um, this is it for him. Like if he has if he if he has another hamstring issue in training camp and he gets cut or you know is kind of buried on the depth chart again and not really playing, like his career might be over. Like I, I don't know if he signs. I I don't know if you know, maybe he gets another deal and for for next off season to go somewhere else. And then if he doesn't get through training camp healthy, then his career is done. So if he wants to get a big contract next year, next offseason, and kind of reassert himself as a player in the league, like 
this is a huge year for Snead, and I just think he's got to have the best of off seasons. No room for mistakes. But um, I think I mean I hope he'll be serious about it. Um, I, I think I think the way this year went for him is a huge clue in that, to motivate himself and recommit himself. Yeah. Um, Aaron asked, Ralph, are you ready to suit up play receiver for the saints? Cause at this rate, we need you to play wide receiver number three, bad arm and all that's true. They don't, they haven't re-signed Brandon Coleman. You're a little thin. I'm ready to go. Uh, so Christian says on to the next one. Aaron says five words, shit, 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 shit. Um, that was seven. That was seven. Uh, this is an interesting question, Dave, from Saints Europe. Uh, who are the Saints trading for? You can't let me believe they are going into the season with $9 million in cap space. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know if they're trading for anybody, but I, I, I think they might have one more signing left in them. I can't believe Kobe Fleen are still on the team. And, and I'll tell you this, the Saints, they haven't in the last couple of years, but Loomis has a history of not being afraid to trade for veterans on draft day. You know, and the Saints have two fifth-round picks. So Mm -hmm. that's the kind of picks that veterans usually get, those like third, fourth, fifth-round picks. I could see the Saints going out and getting a veteran receiver or a veteran tight end that, like, mm-hmm. we're not thinking of the name right now, and we'll be like, wow, the Saints got that guy on draft day? Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out, um, especially, wide rec- especially wide receivers, because the Saints really, they have a history, and they believe that they can resuscitate dudes that are dead, like David Patton and Billy Miller. Um, so they have a history of, like... Well, between the rumor about... Decker and Jarvis Landry, they were interested in Jimmy Graham and now Cameron Meredith. Um, you know, they're obviously getting pretty desperate. And, you know, they got to do something. Desperate. So, yeah. We have, to, we have to mention Sean Payton roasting that, oh, that female reporter that, on Twitter. He shut that fucking <laughs> down. And I think, but I think it was that he knew Cameron Mayburn was coming in and he didn't want to, like, you know. Cameron, Cameron who? Cameron Payton, the baseball player for the Astros. Uh, Cameron <laughs> Meredith. <laughs> oh, we'll take him. He can play receiver, right? He can. He had some what big... position does he play in baseball? He plays center field. Mostly he just plays... Oh, big... yeah, he'll be a great receiver. He just plays center field and steals bases. Um, so I was just checking Nick Underhill to see if the Saints had actually signed Maven because that's a tradition by the Saints. They make a move. Who? I did it again! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> Uh, are you? Uh, Apparently, let's see. Cameron Meredith was in over the weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if they'll sign him. Uh, this is a great point by James. Come on, we know they're getting into the second round. Can we kiss all those later round picks goodbye? Yeah, pretty much. I, I told Ralph. Uh, I may have said this on the podcast. Sometimes I can't remember our phone conversations versus podcast, but uh, I told Ralph, there's no way in hell the Saints have their second round pick next year. <laughs> They're going to pack it. There's, next there's next round's no number way. two. Next round's there is no way they're sitting from 27th overall in the first round. To twenty seventh overall. I'll do you, I'll do you one better. Third. I don't think there's gonna, just no way they're going to sit that long. I don't think they're going to have 
their 2019 second, and I don't think they're going to have their 2018 fourth. I think they're going to package the two and the four and get into the second and keep the third from this year. So they'll yeah. end up they'll end up with three picks in the top hundred. I mean, I think if you were betting in Vegas, like the odds of them having a second round pick in 2019 is off the board. And here's the thing. Like if the Saints Dave, if they want whatever, like let's say it's the second round and they're like, you know, let's say they pick a let's say they pick uh a linebacker or whatever in the first round cuz the grade's so good. And they have a and, and in the second round they're at like pick 40 and they have like a first round grade on a tight end and Jeff Ireland said this is the tight end that's got the best grade that I've graded the best and this is the tight end we need to fix the third down situation offense they're not going to go against the guy who's been fucking smoking hot picking draft picks you know so if he says go get the tight end they're going to fucking do it you know he's like a dude that's throwing the hot dice at the craps table you know <laughs> I'm just, I mean I'm just like, very, very likely like seriously like if Jeff Ireland tells him if not that he would fall, but uh, uh, who's the guy that you like? Hayden Hurst, Andrew. Yeah. Like, say, yes. say he fall, the Saints don't pick him at twenty-seven, and he's there at forty-five, and the Saints have a first-round grade on him, and they're like, "Let's go fucking get him." And Ireland's <coughs> like, "He's the guy." Are they going to be like, "No, Jeff, no, 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 we're we're going to wait because uh, your grades are shit." They're gonna the th- only the only thing about your argument that is shitty ralph is that they would wait until 45 yeah, they they're would. fucking pulling the trigger at 37 <laughs> so true so true um so that about wraps it up i mean so i guess my final question to to either of you uh, cameron meredith next week i can't he, believe he just said it right i, is, I can't either is he a saint are we waiting to see if the Bears match, or is he not signed by the Saints? Andrew, which one is it? I don't think they're going to sign him. I mean, you, they're going to have to give him a lot of money to pry him away, and I just think unless unless his knee just looks awesome, which you know with an injury like that it probably doesn't, uh, I think they're going to be careful about that. So I, I would guess no. Dave? Won't happen next week. Could happen, but won't happen next week. I think they're going to sign him to an offer sheet and the Bears are going to match. Like, the Saints are going to just be like, sign him and be like, we want you, but we're not going to commit huge money to we? We just want to see, like, if the Bears really want you back, you're going back. And I think they'll give him, like... It'll be like two years, like nine million or something. And the yeah, but if they're only going to give him that, like he has visited other teams. Like, I mean, he could probably get a deal like that from, from someone else. Like, he's, I think he's visited like three or four teams. Yeah, so. but none of them are as good at none of them are as good at quarterback situation as the Saints. Like, if if you're him and you know that the Bears are going to match whatever you sign, right? Wouldn't you at least roll the dice with the best quarterback situation? Like, if you if you got Two years, nine million dollars from Baltimore and the Saints. Like, wouldn't you say I'll sign with the Saints? Because I think both. No, I don't. I don't think the quarterback situation matters at all. I think he is coming off of ACL, and whichever team. I, he, he, I mean, he's got to get the most money he can possibly get. So no one's giving him money because he's already taken three other visits. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he's. Yeah, true. So. I mean, I, I think he's hoping. 
I think he's hoping his his uh, physicals go well and that teams may want to up the ante a little bit. So I think he's gonna. I think I think he's gonna sign with the Saints and the Bears will match, and it'll be disappointing. But hopefully not. So that would suck. Yeah, and then, then we'll be stuck with Snead and Coleman again. <laughs> and Tommy uh, Lewis. Woo! Uh, Tommy Lee Lewis, baby. We they, the Saints. The Saints are a Michael Thomas stub toe from having the worst fucking receiving core in the National Football League. And you're you're a Michael Thomas uh, hurt foot or something from Tommy Lee Lewis getting like 75 plays a game, which is fucking frightening. Uh, so that we'll try to we don't want to end up that bad. But thing. it's cool because he's only like tier two, right? Fucking <laughs> yeah. disaster. Man. I think SEC teams would have better receivers than the Saints if Michael Thomas got hurt. Um, so on that cheery note, we'll end this great show. So for Dave, for Andrew, uh, until next week, the bar is closed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. 
So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.